Okay. Oh, yeah. Here. <laughs> Welcome to the Jig is Up. And uh, we're going live again. Another live. So we're just trying to get set up here. Um, but we got a couple of things to talk about. And uh, so we'll get right into them. And if we do get any callers, uh, maybe we'll just cue you to um, when you can call in or whatever. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to, we wanted to talk about was the uh, support money from the Métis Nation of Alberta specifically uh, for the COVID-19 um, you know, bailout money that they got, the $7.5 million that they got. There's some money now trickling out. Um, they have a child wellness benefit. And from what I'm reading online, a lot of people are having issues with it because even though the government, the money is not supposed to be given in the requirement of anything, it's just supposed to be given to members that need it. Um, a lot of people are saying that they're requiring long form birth certificates to prove the children are the children of the the member if they're not already registered with the MNA. So essentially you could be a full well and good member uh, but maybe you married someone who already has kids and you're the legal guardian but you maybe haven't adopted them yet or whatever. Um, essentially they may, you probably won't get the bailout money even though you're a member and you, you need it. So, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Jason, the ridiculousness of that. Well, again, so we talked about this on the last episode, about if the money would ever make it. Mm -hmm. And so now they're saying, hey, it's available. So that's a plus. Yeah. But the truth is, how is my kid going to apply? And that's essentially yeah. what they're saying is parents can't apply unless you can prove yeah. your kid is eligible or should already be a member. Which bring, brings the point that you made just earlier. What if your kid isn't biological? Exactly. Yeah. So they wouldn't qualify for membership within the MN structure. Mm -hmm. So then where are you? Yeah, exactly. So they're really saying the funding doesn't go to parents, it goes to the children. You have to prove that through your application. Yeah. So who gets them? Who's really getting the money? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Well, and I mean, it leads to a lot of things. Like, uh, what if you're a grandparent taking care of a grandchild? So now, what you got to do an entire family tree before you can get your immediate relief funds? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, this is all great and stuff, but uh, there were some people defending this, saying, "Well, why don't you? Why didn't you guys just get memberships and blah blah blah?" Mm -hmm. And but I mean, they're backed up. People are waiting over a year to get memberships and. When your kid's a child, I mean, why would you? Yeah. I mean, it's not a priority. Mm -hmm. You know, people were comparing the MA card to like, well, you, you register to get a social insurance number and a birth certificate. Why don't you just register as well to get your membership? And uh, I just got to, kind of thought that was a weird. Um, yeah, like social insurance number is not the same level of documentation as your membership card to a club. That's right. Well, they're a government. That's right. So yes. If you have to apply your social insurance number to the government, well, yep. there you go. Absolutely. So it's a little bit, um, you know, I mean, and like you said, we talked about this last episode about 
how easy this money is going to be to get. And we're seeing online that it's not that easy. Um, I actually tried calling the numbers that they have on all their emergency stuff just to see if I get through or anything. And it's just their main phone number and it just goes to a voicemail. Good customer service. Yeah. So like, I don't, they say they're, they've helped 19, 20,000 people already maintain. And I'm like, I, I can't believe that because it's only been like a few days since they got this money and nobody seems to be able to get through on the phones. I've seen multiple people saying they're, they leave voicemails and nothing. So I I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, what, what does it mean? You know, how do Métis access these funds? Well, I mean, again, it's theoretically there Mm -hmm. and like everything, the rhetoric is good. You know, how look how many people we've helped. Yeah. But how do you help people when like you can't even get through on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. So who got the money? Yeah, like how are you getting through for any of these programs they have? They they say they have a I think there's like four programs they have or something. I'm just gonna see if I can find it uh on their page. Yeah. So they have the yeah, they have Citizens, Families, and Seniors Direct Support Plan, which which it means that they've given each regional office $200,000 for all of those things. Citizens, Families, and Seniors Direct Support Plan, which means like that's two hundred grand for whatever you deem necessary. Yeah, but does that mean the locals are administrating the funds then? Yes, the regional offices are. How much is the local getting paid to do that? I have no idea. <laughs> Probably one hundred and eighty-nine thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then they have they have a child wellness benefit program, which is what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. uh, which is five hundred dollars per child, aged zero to twelve, with a maximum of twenty-five hundred per household. So I guess you can't have more than X amount of kids. Um, and it's. It doesn't say how over what period of time, like if it's 500 a month for X amount of months, it doesn't say that. So mm. then they have a rent supplement supplement program where you can get $1,000 a month for three months to supplement your rent. Um, and then a benevolent top of fund, they're going to put $500 per applicant. Um, so this is a fund for families who have lost relatives to COVID-19 and require support for funeral uh, arrangements. So. Well, that's good in theory. I mean, that the yes. bereavement one really sounds nice. Yeah, they all sound good. If somebody would answer the phone. That's just it. I phoned, um, when I was in Calgary, I phoned my regional office. Couldn't get through, went to a voicemail. Uh, they haven't returned my call. And then I've also phoned all the the number they use for all these other programs, which just goes to the main office. It's the main office phone number in Edmonton, and it just goes to voicemail. And I haven't had a return call, so. Excuse me, the office is probably shut down because of COVID. <laughs> it, it is actually. That's what they say. They're like, we're uh, you know, but we're checking the messages. I'm like, if you've got to administer to what they claim is what forty thousand members now, yeah, you're gonna do that by voicemail. Like, yeah. you might want to have somebody actually, uh, you know, answer the phones. Well, they're checking it from the phone. Yeah. 
I'm not sure how you check your voicemails from home. And then again, though, that that's that's whole thing. So I'm glad they're staying yeah. safe. I'm glad they're not having the office open. For sure. But at the same time, how do you administrate a program then if all your files and documentation for your, all your membership is, is, the office. is at the office? Yeah. And then if I submit the paperwork, who do I submit it to? Who gets it? Yep. Who reviews it? Who does that when everybody's at home? Exactly. So really, you're not going to really see any money until somebody goes to the office or goes back yeah. to work, you know? Well, and, and to not have, like, why don't they have this in place? Like, why, why isn't there... Um, you know, people in place to answer phones. Why? Why? Like, mm-hmm. could you not put a call out for volunteers in the Edmonton area or something? Maybe like I'm, I'm well, sure people would volunteer to answer the phone. But I mean, it's, it's so, kind of critical work. I mean, if they yeah. uh, if they can be doing this through, you know, that people are working at the EI office mm-hmm. to to put all these EI claims through. You know, yeah. that they're working at these other offices to administrate the, all these new programs and services that have come out to apply yeah. for funding. So those people have gone to work. Yes. To to run these programs. So if the MA is all sitting at home, <laughs> how are we getting, how is anybody gonna get the money? Exactly. Like it's it's really ridiculous. And I think you know, the unfortunate part is is people were hoping for this. Um, it's there, but how do you even get to it? Um, or what's gonna be the time frame? Like you said, you called already and no one's got back to you, so Yeah. Is it going to take days, weeks? Exactly, yeah. Hopefully it's faster than applying for membership. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, God, if it takes six months to get $1,000 support, I mean, by then you could be kicked out of your place and living on the streets. So maybe it would be good to get it still, but... But whatever's going to happen is already happening. Exactly, yeah. Like, this is not in any way supporting you through these rough times. Um, Which is... I, I knew it was going to be like this. They have no infrastructure in place to deal with this. Um, and and so, I mean, when you when you run administer a program like this, you have to expect thousands of people to start calling. Well, they didn't should, have that in place to begin with. Yeah, because if they, you know they have forty some thousand members. Yeah. You think that how many are going to call? Right. You know, uh, and then you make the you broadcast that you have the money. Yeah, exactly. Supposed to go to them, and you, you have that many members. Yeah, you know, you think you might put something in place to handle the overload. Well, that's just it, and I mean, if you're, I, I, if these guys actually were on top of things, I mean, they should know how many seniors they have registered members. How many? They should know how many members they have that have children, whether they're registered children or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all kind of basic databasing stuff. So if you're in office and your whole job is to compile f- genealogical information, well, it should be pretty easy for you to look this stuff up and know, okay, if we have 40,000 members, which I don't believe they do, um, but if that's what they say, they should know, okay, well, out of that, 8,000 are seniors. And so we can expect perhaps even 6,000 phone calls right there. You know, like they should know those categories and be able to tell you exactly and know what to expect or be contacting them ahead of time. Yeah. Well, preemptive, right? Even if it's not in their waiting, they should have already put in place the office staff, the phone lines. Yes. Email, internet, however they want to do this so yeah. that the funds they have go into the hands of the people who need it. Exactly. When they need it. You know, but instead we're left sitting here 
you know, again, talking about money coming to these organizations, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it gets tied up and may or may not ever hit where it's supposed to go in any yeah. kind of fashion at all. Yeah. And part of me wonders, what happens to the unspent money? So do they get to just say, well, but we need to now recover from COVID. So we better keep that money to help the M&A recover. Or do they have to actually pay it back to the government? I don't know. So well, I don't think they'll give it back, but it, it's really, again, yeah. so for the money, the bigger thing I'm wondering about is, so the money they've got, yeah. how much of it actually makes its way into the hands of people who have need? Exactly. Yeah. So because the money's never, you know, it's, it'll yeah. all be gone by the time this is over. Yeah. But where did it go? Exactly. Did it yeah. go to the people who needed it? Did it go to the membership? Or did it go to or is it all administration? Yeah, tied up in administration and the, the head office takes theirs, the regional yeah. takes theirs, and hopefully make you know some money and got out to somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well and even two hundred thousand dollars for each regional office, I mean that sounds great if you're a regional office that has a very small population mm-hmm. of Metis. But like two hundred thousand for the regional office that covers Edmonton and Calgary's regional three is like all of southern Alberta, including Calgary. So, I mean, <laughs> that's not really a lot of money. You know, like I know, I know probably a dozen Métis families that could use some of the support. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that many Métis. That's only a handful of Métis I've met at things in Calgary, right? Yeah. So. You figure there's got to be a hundred families that could use some of this support. Well, well two hundred grand doesn't go very far. No, and that's the big challenge. And we know that most Métis in here are urban, mm-hmm. and so that also highlights the fact that the people who live more remotely, who are the most vulnerable, who that's true, are yeah. the most marginalized, are the least likely to get the help. Yeah, yeah. The money is going to be spent proportionally, so it's going to that's go to the point. people in this major center. So. If you're living rural and you don't have access to all the big amenities that you do in the city, yeah, you're already proportionally going to get less money. Yeah, so, and really, that's where the money should be going. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. That's a really good point. Yeah, because I mean, even in Calgary, like there's smaller communities around it, and I guarantee they're probably not going to see any dime going to those. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, it's too bad. It's a lot of money, um, and. Then we uh, kind of ties into the next thing, which it's maybe a short episode, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, Vince just calls in. That's right. So far, I don't know if we've have had any listeners live. So I hope everybody can hear us. I think the microphone's on. So that's why no one's calling in. Yeah, right. No, it says it says it's on. So um, okay, I'm just trying to find my article that I saved because seven and a half million dollars went to the Métis Nation of Alberta Association, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what about that new group, the Alberta Métis Federation that represents those northern communities up there? They're probably not, they're not going to get any of that now. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but they're supposed to because it was given to the Métis Nation of Alberta for all Métis whether they have membership or not. But guaranteed, they're not getting any of that money. No, you know, it's not going to happen. And, you know, yeah. when they, and I find this is where the, the big crux of the, the problem comes in is the 
federal government gives these organizations the funds for mm-hmm. participation, it's going to go to all Métis. But mm-hmm. the minute we say that, that's a political statement, not a, a physical reality. Yes. Because we know that the MNA doesn't consider anybody outside their membership as Métis. So yeah. in the prime case of this being a political term, is just yeah. what you brought up, is all these guys in northern Alberta who mm-hmm. have formed their own organization and left the MNA. So while the federal government designates funds for Métis, they're not Métis anymore. That's right. Because they're not part of the organization. So exactly. they, they can't get the money. Yeah. So it's not a physical reality is if you're Métis or not. It's a political identity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I mean, just from the, the way the government dispersed the cash, I mean, Ontario, it, it really looks like the government's going to go with the MNC on this stuff where, you know, you've only got a small chunk of Ontario, so it's only worth half as much as the rest of the, or the other prairie provinces, right? Yeah, and so, so you get, right, so the, if the money's going there, who's it really going to benefit in Ontario? Yeah, like the Métis outside of that MNC map aren't going to get anything. Yeah, well, the MNO because they're suspended. they're not Métis, right? Well, and the MNO suspended. Exactly. Yeah. So they're not going to get any funds. Yeah. You know, so unless the provincial government in Ontario rolls something out for the MNO specifically, the MNC is going to, you know, restrict any money they've got going to Ontario. Oh yeah. No funds going to those suspended third wave invasion <laughs> yeah. promoting, you know, free radical Métis people. Out there. Exactly. Well, and they're not Métis. Fakers. Yeah, they're fake Métis now. I heard from a certain professor that they're now they're now all fake Métis in Ontario. Fakers. Hope you're all listening to Ontario, mm. you lot of fakers. Right. So now there is this uh, battle between them, and um, I don't know if it's gone to court already or something, um, but basically it sounds like the Alberta Métis Federation um, has contacted and sent emails and letters to both ministers and the, whatever the used to be Indian affairs and yeah. um and just saying like this that this you shouldn't be doing this it should be communities that get money just like because it, it and I, I can see their point because he's saying just like First Nations you don't give it to Treaty 6 and then say it's all it's for all First Nation mm-hmm. you know they give each one so that's what he's kind of saying is why aren't you doing that for AT which would make sense mm-hmm but then the, the federal government's looking at it like, well, but there's all these little organizations then. And I only want to cut one check. Yeah. So at least that's my thoughts. Well, then they're only going to deal with their favorite puppet club to do that. They're not, yeah. they're not going to cut any organization outside of that group or even individually that group because they're already have sown the seeds of, of division within the MNC already. True. They to cut checks to any other organization, even now besides them. So, you know, there's not a check to the settlements. Right. Yeah. And there's not a check to. We haven't seen a check cut to the Northwest Métis. Right. Nope. So they're playing favorites again already, and creating yes. division in in this ideology. Is we have government recognized entities outside of the MNC cartel structure. Did they get any money? No. And they're the government recognized ones. Exactly, yeah. You know, never mind any other organizations like the, the Federation or the, the BC Federation yeah. who have huge numbers. You know, they didn't get squat. Yeah. So, real favoritism. 
unlike oh, yeah. with First Nations, at least they recognize the treaty areas and treat them as thus. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, and it's it's very clear exactly how the federal government sees. And, and I mean, honestly, in, in their defense, why wouldn't you? I mean, that's the easiest route to go. These guys always say yes to everything you say. Mm-hmm. So path of least resistance, right? Like, yeah, if, you know, these guys will just take whatever. I mean, they honestly could have given them three million and they'd probably be happy with that. You know, or twenty five million, and they'd be happy with that. Like, and I always, we always laugh about that off air. Is how do they come up with these numbers for money? Yeah, exactly. Like, like where, why, why was it seven? Like, why not round it to ten, or why not five? Yeah. Or, or why wasn't it based on membership? Like, yeah. if Manitoba only has fifteen thousand members, but we have forty, why are they getting seven and a half million? We're getting seven and a half million. Right. So, like, that's not even doesn't, so even doesn't on a make per sense. Population basis, yeah. not on a Per capita, you know, not at membership all. Membership rule. You just come up with these. You know, the government just gives an arbitrary number, and the cartel rolls yeah. it out in an arbitrary way, and they try to treat each of their, you know, remaining friends in the, in the yeah. cartel equally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to find out if we ever see the flow of the money. Did it go through the MNC bank accounts first, and then get? laundered back out into the rest of the cartel organizations and then from there laundered down even further in administration costs like is there administration costs all along this way that just take out of that i don't know if we'll ever find that out though well you know there has to be because they got to run those laptops from home now and you had to get a yeah. laptop and had to be a new one on. too because well, you got to handle the volume right yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, at least their travel budgets might go down this year because they can't travel at least. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure they'll still be a million dollars. Well, travel will go up because they have to walk through the bush now to get to where they need to go. Right, yeah, and we got to pay them like $800 a step. Yeah. <laughs> Backpacking costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Danger costs, danger fees. Yeah. And, yeah. Bear, bear aware training. Per, per diems, make sure they get their $800 a day per diem. Yeah, probably have to hire my guide because I'm actually the last time I had to spend any serious time <laughs> on the land. Not unless you count their luscious backyards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my my big beaded hat blew off. <laughs> I'm going to get my fancy beaded vest dirty. It smells like campfire smoke. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty, I don't know, it just seems so arbitrary. And even how they're giving this money out, it seems very arbitrary. Well, it'll be the favored people. Oh, yeah. If you're in the good graces with the, you know, the in crowd, you'll get the money. And But if you're not, well, it'll be a while, if at all. Well, and you know, so, that's where the money went to right out of the hop. I can guarantee you probably every level of council within the organizational structure of these cartels has largely been subsidized. So when they're telling you, hey, people have got the money, that's probably who they're talking about. So yeah, you know, I'd love to hear from any locals just to hear what's going on. If you've got the money, yeah. who did it go to? Exactly. Because I have my suspicions about where that money went if you yeah. got to the local. You know, there's probably five yeah. people who got helped out immediately. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, who sits on the board again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. and I And I think... This would be a great opportunity for an organization to show their transparency and accountability. You know, maybe not right now because they're still kind of in crisis mode. 
But even to do a report when this is over and a few months after that, go, okay, here's what the numbers are. Here's who we helped. Here's how much was spent. Here's where the, here's the programs it went to. Um, you know, I, I really would love to see that. I know we won't, but we, I mean, I'm sure they'll say, oh, we helped 300,000 Métis in Alberta or whatever lie they're going to come concoct, but they'll never have facts to back that up with or proof that yeah, they did even, it. Even if they said they got money into the hands of their members. Yes. That would be good. They could say that would X, be true. X number of members got X number of money. Yes. That was designated from X programs. Yes. Put on a spreadsheet. I'll, yeah. I'll be happy. Absolutely. The fact that I'll never see one tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, they'll make just uh, big statements about it, but they won't actually have a report or proof or anything like that. So. No, it's, it's great to uh, to walk around saying you're a government and yeah. have the transparency of a club. Exactly. Disclose your finances? I don't think so. That's, we don't. We we're a club. We don't have to do that. Exactly. And whenever it's convenient. Whenever it's convenient. Yeah, you just roll out. No, no, we can't disclose our books because we're a club. Yeah. But when you're talking about who do you represent, well, we're a bloody government. That's right. Treat us like a government. Yeah. Treat us like a government, but we'll act like a club. Yeah. Only when it comes to money, though. That's really the important thing. So uh, a lady uh, had posted, a, I, well, I guess it's on the internet. So Brandy Morin had posted a, a video about this child benefit thing and I'm criticizing the M&A. Um, and actually, she said a lot of people were quite dis, uh, mad at her for it. Like, how dare you criticize in this time? And I'm like, well, that's actually pretty easy. So, and I don't know if she actually had applied. I don't know. Um, she just had said she had done a video and I just seen us like post of a response to like some of the claims they made. Now, like she even said like, you know, what if you were living in a settlement or rural area, like um, stuff like that. Like, and her point was, is like, okay, let's say you're willing to go do this long form thing. Okay. Well, you have to go to registries to get that. And that takes a like couple weeks to get. I'm pretty sure registries isn't a priority thing right now. I don't even know if they're open. So some are. Like I know the registries here is in town, but the reality is that's that's the challenge. So even if you're a member, so Darcy's yeah. a car carrying cartel member, yeah. he needs to apply for something for his kid. But because your daughter isn't even eighteen yet, yeah. she's not a member. Yeah. Well, so you gotta buff it down. Mm-hmm. Out of your house, so you're not staying home. Yep. You've got to go down to registries who let's pretend that they are open. Some are, some aren't. Yep. And then pay some money because you know nothing at registries is free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to get that shit together and then you get to send it in. Yeah. Well, that's the black hole of paperwork as far as we know. Oh, yeah. Like, so, you know, we. They haven't shown an expedited process saying, hey, we put X number of staff in place. Mm-hmm. We're ready to help you out. If you need to apply for something for your kids, we you yeah. know, send it to us priority plus, and we're going to process it ASAP so you can get yeah. that money. Exactly. There's, it's crickets. Oh, we've got this money. Here's how you apply. Here's the wall. Good luck hopping over it. Yeah, exactly. The nine of you that you had to get over that. Can have yeah. Because, and I think what, you know, honestly, I think it's a real underhanded way of like, um, almost scolding those who dare not register their children at birth with the MNA. 
like it's uh you know you're not real matey unless you register your child at birth mm-hmm. it, it just seems really underhanded obviously like you said it's a wall it's a really good way to represent it um and you know they wanted like the, the, one of the points she was talking about in her post about this was uh they're not accepting any other form of, of id so even if they have a social insurance number not good enough they have to have that long form so they can do genealogy from you to them and it's, it's ridiculous but it's, it's not even them that they would accept okay i didn't get my kid registered mm-hmm. so they're not saying okay here's my child with their birth certificate and their information here's mine mm-hmm. and here's my car yeah you think that in this crisis time yeah that would suffice yeah and so at, at the end of what are they trying to do out of this get a membership drive that's what exactly what they're doing. Say, oh, we can get. Yeah. Here's how we can force every car carrying member who wants to access these funds to register their children. Yep. And pay the fee, the registration fee, and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Membership fee. Then you got to go down to the registry's office and pay those fees. Yep. So you need to spend a bunch of money to in- stand in line to hopefully get some money. Yeah. Which they got for free. <laughs> exactly. And now you have to pay again. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, I don't know, because, and I don't know if other provinces are the same way, but I know, like, Alberta hasn't given long-form birth certificates for decades. I don't know if ever. Um, So when your kid's born, you just get this one that says they were born. Mm -hmm. So you have to go pay. And I I think when I did, I went and got my daughters, it was, I want to say it was close to 50 bucks. I've heard that they went up, though. So they mean it might just be as high as 100 bucks. I don't know. Yeah, well, when it's so, motor vehicle branches and, you know, every renewed yeah. license was $94. Yeah, exactly. So what the heck? So and I've, I've heard in Saskatchewan this long-form thing is like three, dollars $400. Yeah, so even if it was even if it was 50 bucks, you yeah. still have to go in. And mm-hmm. it's not like they print it out for you on the spot. No, you have to go home and wait. They, they put in all your thing. They take in all your information. Yeah. And you get mailed out an actual certificate, a birth certificate, a long-form yeah. birth certificate. Yeah. So that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen no. largely in a week. No. So if you're one of these members who doesn't have their kids registered, it, you're looking at probably a month before you actually have the necessary paperwork in your hand. To apply. To apply. Yeah. And then there's no time frame, no ability to process when that would actually be approved. Yeah. Would it be denied? We don't know. And again, no. when you take this to the fact that what happens if you're maintaining a rural location, well, you might, that is a huge barrier. Yeah. It's a financial barrier. You have to leave your home. You got to go interact with people. You got to spend a bunch of money. You got to wait for your mail. Yeah. Hopefully your mail already comes. Then you can apply for the stuff. And by then you're in July. And this whole time, you're supposed to be staying home as much as you can mm-hmm. and staying away from doing all that shit. Yeah, you're not supposed to leave your house, but now you got to go run around and do all this paperwork. And go to the DMV, which probably is like one of the worst places to try to go normally, let alone during this time. Yeah. Like, like you're risking people getting COVID-19 so that they can get the stuff they need to apply to get relief for COVID-19. Like, in every way you look at this, this is just a circle that you got to run like a mouse in a trap or in a maze. That has no exit. You yeah, know? it's a huge barrier. It is. To put up with people in a time of crisis. Yeah, like, know? it should be, you know, Jason, you're a member. Fine, here's a here's thousand bucks. 
mm-hmm. or whatever the program is, like 500 bucks a child. But even if like, you said, okay, take me a picture of your kid's birth certificate, because it'll have your yeah. name on it, take it next to your membership card, and send it to us. Yeah. We can validate you actually have a freaking kid. Let's yeah. say you do. Yeah, yeah. Once, I mean, you're not going to fake those documents at home. You're not going to go on the old laptop and Photoshop yourself <laughs> M&A membership card and yeah. a long birth certificate for random child A to scam the M&A yeah. out of a thousand bucks. It's yeah. not going to happen. Like, no one's going to do that. No. Because if they had that kind of skills, they wouldn't be looking for a thousand dollars. No. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, like, they're just, and I, and I honestly, I knew this was going to happen. It was just going to be barriers and more barriers. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting was the lady's post was, uh, she said the M&A receptionist had told her that she's fielded over 500 phone calls over this particular issue mm-hmm. in the last two days. And I'm thinking 500 phone calls for one person in two days? That seems like an awfully high number of phone calls to, to field in two days for one person. No so I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I do believe that there probably is a lot of people complaining. Um I don't doubt it. I think there's, this is a, you know, an unprecedented time of panic that we haven't seen in Canada in a, in a yeah. very long time. Um, would their phone lines be overrun? Possibly. Yeah. The, the truth is, though, why would that be unexpected? If you make a big public mm-hmm. announcement saying we have millions of dollars to help you yeah. in these programs, yeah. drop us a line, give us a call, send us an email. You would think Métis people should take advantage of this. Absolutely. To turn around and then basically tell 500 people on the phone what? Like, so if she did answer the phone, if they took in 500 phone yeah. calls, well, what happened? Did 500 people get money? It doesn't they, sound like, like it. Like, yay, you answered the phone 500 times. Yeah. And you take a break, have a coffee, good for you. But what happened? Yeah. Well, and it sounds like I would assume that they were just all turned away. Like, was it 500 voicemails that they had to listen to? Like, I don't, I don't understand. So if yeah. 500 people are trying to get through and you, you can document those many phone calls, we should have 500 people who can verify that either, A, money's on its way. They, yeah. They're, they're, it was all handled, right? Yeah, they absolutely. They handled 500 phone calls. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's just, it's such a ridiculous bar- barrier. And I mean, for all the history that Indigenous people have had on this country of, you know, scoops and adoptions and you know, things, you know, erasures of families. Like, I, I can't imagine why you would, why, I, I mean, I know why they do it, but it's like, it's just kind of immoral to put up a barrier like that in a time like this. I, I think, anyway. Well, I, I think so, too. I mean, you've been lucky that the federal government hasn't put up any barriers like that at all. Mm-hmm. You want to, you need a $40,000 loan for your business? You need a little bit of a criteria, and they basically send you forty grand. Yeah. You know, you need... You need two thousand dollars a month. Well, you just use your CRA account, log in, and they send you the money. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't understand. We're not talking about thirty some odd million Canadians that you have to deal with. Yeah. We're talking. You know, you got seven million dollars to deal with forty thousand people. <laughs> exactly. That's a big difference. You know, when you look at you know, we laugh about how yeah. incapable the government isn't doing anything. Yeah. You know. You, you need you need money for something, fat chance, you know? Yep. When the government owes you money on your tax return, it takes them, you know, forever to send it to you. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, boom, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So you think that that's someone who's, yeah. you know, 
in touch with the grassroots. Exactly. As the Métis you know, Nation cartels are. Right. Those who listen to their membership like they yeah. do. Who drive their RVs around interviewing people and taking memberships like they do. Yeah. Would have a much easier time making sure money got to where it needed to go. Exactly. Which is the boards and different councils, of course. Of course, right? <laughs> so more decision makers to true up that money. And, you know, I, I just go back because I've used a lot of, like, customer resource management software and databases. And, like, when I think about all the, the, the CRM softwares that I've seen, like, when they put in a contact, like Jason, they put you in their database, some rando company that wants to sell you something. There's so many fields in there to say he has two kids. Their birthdays are this day. He has a wife. Her name birthdays this day. Her maiden name was this. Like you could just go endlessly on the amount of information. Why a multi-million-dollar corporation like the Métis Nation of Alberta doesn't do something like that with the information they have? That like, I mean, that information is gold. You want to know who you can help? You should know that ahead of time. Should be able to like punch it up in a computer. Like, why aren't they doing annual census if they're a government, right? So that they understand who their people are. Well, in in the you bring up a good point in this day of computers and modern technology, and we're seeing how that can be rolled out very quickly. How many companies yeah. now have employees working from home? Yeah, a, a multi-million dollar organization that has the level of funding that these provincial nature organizations have surely should have yeah. been already employing. Absolutely. Some of that technology to do what you said to track their membership. Mm -hmm. You know, genealogy shouldn't be some paper thing you send in. in the years twenty twenty. Yeah, like it shouldn't be sitting in you a know, filing cabinet. Other than live documents, because you can't get them. If yes. If the person is a living entity. Yeah. Literally means my kids' information, my information, probably my mom's, and if I'm blessed, my grandfather's. Right. After that, everybody's passed on, and that's public record. Yeah, yeah. But after how many years of genealogical database collecting, the MA yeah. is done. Why isn't this all digital? Exactly. When I call into the office, I should be able to get an operator. Yeah. Or a receptionist who has access to that database. I give them my membership number. They should be able to tell me how many kids I got. Exactly. They should be able to tell me if my mom yeah. was a member or my dad was a member. Yeah. Not, I shouldn't have to tell them. Absolutely. And they should be able to tell me if I qualify or not because they would already know. Yeah. That's just software 101. Well, and especially today when you have their software programs out there, and I'm thinking of one in particular, and it's, it's used mainly for like elections and stuff. But what it does is you build a website with it, and that website sucks in all the information of the people that go to that website. So it'll even link people in their database to people's Facebook profiles. If they send you, um, if they comment on one of your comments on Facebook, it'll, oh, there's that person, and it'll search through Facebook and find that person and try to pull whatever public info they can, it can into its database. So there's, you don't even, we're not even talking having a person sitting there going through and typing all this, you literally can put, put just a website up and it's like, I know on this particular software, it's just clicks like checkboxes, like, yeah, pull people's profiles. Yes. Add that information to the database, blah, blah, blah. 
And I think you can have up to a half million people in that database. So of course for elections, you could it can pull in all this info from your private or your public in social media. It knows how many kids you have. It knows the neighborhood you live in. It knows what your hobbies are now. It knows what your favorite car is if you've posted that on Facebook. Like, it'll pull in a lot of information. Mm. How is this? Not, it's impossible that these organizations can't do something like that. I mean, I know because I I've set it up for politicians when they're running their campaigns. Well, like, it's it's a credit card transaction. Even if you're talking about so you had old records, yeah, that have been. Handed down through through the organization over yep, time. Sure, I'm sure there's some kind of funding these guys can yes. go after the feds for to get more money to hire somebody to yeah. enter all that genealogical data to sort this out. Totally. When you're at a point of crisis like they are now, when you have millions of dollars that are supposed to be earmarked for individuals, why yeah. are is there so many barriers? And then yeah. again. We know Métis people are on the lower end of the economic scale. We know that yeah. lots of them live remotely and are in vulnerable situations. And basically what they've done is make it impossible for any of them to access the money. Yeah. The only people who can access the money are most likely people who may not need it as desperately. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've set a kind of a privilege mark for people to get the money. And unfortunately, the, like that's the whole point is to give it to the people under that privilege mark. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it just kind of makes me laugh when I think about um, the way they do things. And then even thinking about how popular Zoom meetings have become. So we've talked before in the past about their travel, or their, yeah, their travel budgets for all these meetings they have to go to. Well, within Alberta, it's like a million and a half dollars for meetings within Alberta. Mm-hmm. Why can't you have these Zoom meetings now? I mean, it's, an, it's a free app. You download on your phone, so get your regional guys to people to download it. And when you all want to have a meeting, just set it up. It's like twenty-five bucks a month, U.S., and you can have up to like two. I think it's unlimited people on the meeting for like twenty-five bucks a month. That's a lot cheaper than a million a year. <laughs> so, and you can have but meetings that, wherever you are. And that's the thing is, but those technologies aren't new. They're not new. But that's the problem is what do you do with the million dollar budget mm-hmm. for travel expenses and all the things that go along with it if it if that gets replaced by technology exactly you know well you know so yeah. on some hands we understand because you know I've been involved in lots of not-for-profits and things yeah. like that and you know if you get a grant the money goes specifically to that portfolio true and you have to spend it so I get it. The government gives the m and the cartels this money for travel expenditures. If they don't use it, they're going to lose it. So mm-hmm. at some point, I get that. But at the same time, when you're talking about you know, unprecedented things like now, mm-hmm. are they doing that? Are we? Are they sitting down with locals? Are we having these Zoom meetings? Are we pulling in? And I haven't seen a public address from nope. anybody but the big kahunas at mm-hmm. the top level for, for months. Yeah. You know, no public addresses, no public announcements, no, no nothing. You know, they, they've largely disappeared off the face of the planet. They tell you, they yeah. just keep talking about all the monies that are going to go to Metis people. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's really easy for them to just retreat back to their houses and not work and be quarantined and isolate. That's great and that's good. 
but it's easy for them because they're still getting paid mm -hmm. because those government grants pay them no matter what. Yep. So they're, they can sit at home for the next 19 months. They don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid monthly. All the rest of the people who aren't employees are not getting paid. And those are the ones that need that help. But it's just, like you said, they, they, it's like this thing happened and they just, they went home and isolated and disappeared from, was that really how a government works? Like, if you want to call yourself a government, now is when you need to be stepping up and doing, maybe they don't do a daily address about it. Maybe they do a weekly. Maybe they let people know they're having Zoom meetings with the regions. Update you on what they're doing. This is not hard. It's a live video on Facebook that you can do it on. You don't need to bring in the CBC and CTV and Global and just do a live thing to all your members. Mm -hmm. Like, it's ridiculous how these places operate and they continue to do it. And I mean, most of it is so that they can maintain that level of like luxury, like with the travel budgets. I'm sure they're filtering money out like crazy out of that and hiding expenses and stuff. But it's so easy for them to do it. But nobody's demanding that they make these changes that are well, simple. And when it comes to the social media aspect, that's the part we find most frustrating is yeah. like even today, we have huge defenders of these organizations. Yeah. And if you're proud to be part of the cartel organization, good for you. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. What I have a problem with is honesty, transparency. There's millions of dollars being funded into there for a group that turns around yeah. and marginalizes other Métis people. Yes. I don't understand why we've lost the ability to be able to critique something honestly, openly, and with transparency. Yes. I don't, I don't think pointing out the flaws in any one system is wrong. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. We don't all, I think organizations, there are areas that they don't, they do work, not bad. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's areas that are completely unaccountable. Yeah. So I don't understand when people go on social media and they talk about, Hey, I am or I'm not a member. I called. I got good or bad service. Why people come out of the woodwork to try to defend the organization when people are having troubles? Yes. You know, we should be saying in all honesty and concern, well, then how do we address that yeah. to, to fix it so that the organization that we're a part of better represents the membership? That's what it's for. Absolutely. And what do you want to call them? Citizens? We as Canada Canadians and, and people who vote? Do the same thing. We talk about how do you make your MP more accountable, more yeah. transparent. You know, why do you think we see all these levels of transparency from the government? You can see where and when your representative is going to be at any given time. Yeah. What their budgets are, their housing, their expenditures. Yeah. It's all public. You can get it mm -hmm. because we know that their money is public money. Exactly. And if mating money is for the mating nation, then it should bear that same or a similar level of transparency for Métis citizens. It should. If Métis citizens aren't getting it, I don't understand why talking about why they're not getting it is bad. Yeah, exactly. You know? Totally. We would we don't apply that same standard to other arenas of yeah. government and organizational structures. So when somebody yeah. goes on social media and says, I have a problem, I always am, am kind of shocked that so many people get on the boat of, of being critical. You know, we yeah. have a whole show based on being critical about yeah. what goes on in the Métis world and how much it does or doesn't benefit the Métis people. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. Like, I mean, um, oh, I, I totally lost my train of thought now, but... <laughs> 
but yeah, no, it, it's I, I just I, I really um, I really think Métis people need to start expecting more out of them. And if they're going to call themselves government, like oh, that was what I was going to say. This lady's saying that she's fielded five hundred phone calls about the same one issue when it comes to getting this funding. Where's their leader st- putting out a public address saying, look, we have had this problem. It's been misunderstood. Here's how we're fixing it. Or we're planning to fix it. Like, where's that leadership? You know, and, and it's it doesn't exist. We're getting daily addresses from every level of government, except this one who says they're a government when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. But like we said at the start of the show, acts like a, a membership, like a club, whenever it's convenient. And right now they're acting like a club, yeah. like a social club that doesn't really care about anything because there's no leadership standing up saying, here's how you access these programs. Here's what the, here, we ran into this issue. Oh, what are they doing for phone lines? What are they doing for ramping up staff? What We don't know because they're not telling anybody anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes it really easy for me and you now to do a show. Yeah. But that doesn't help the 30,000, 40,000 Métis that they're supposed to be helping. Well, or, <laughs> so, or the bigger numbers. They, they say they represent how many hundreds of thousands of Métis in, this, you know, in, in the yeah, group law of math. That's right. And so what is this level of service that these people who you know yeah. we live with in Alberta uh, are getting? And if they're fielding that volume of yeah. phone calls, what was the result? Yeah, like, was it positive? Were they able to help those people? Yeah. Are they running into troubles? Yeah. Are, are there barriers people aren't getting through? Like, there's just no leadership. There's no transparency. Nothing. There's zero interaction from leadership to the membership. Yeah. And people are left guessing. You know, we they, like we said, they like to brag on one hand about all this money they're getting for maintaining people. Yeah. But when it comes to any kind of fluidity to the citizen, Eric yeah. member, there's nothing. Not a thing. And so... I find it very frustrating when people who are trying to navigate this process mm-hmm. express their frustrations, have other yeah. people jump on them for it. Absolutely. We should be rallying around each other at this totally. point to say, how do we make that money work for you? Well, and, and I think part of the problem that people are like, so when people come across these problems and they see nothing from leadership, their only avenue right now is to go to social media and then, like you said, they're getting jumped on for daring to, I don't know, I guess, question the big mighty machine and the god that is the MA. But no, they're looking for help, like you said. But it's like, if there was leadership coming out and saying, we're facing a, te- you know, we don't have enough staff. We're facing these challenges. We're doing something, blah, 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 blah. I bet you half of those posts wouldn't even get posted because now people go, oh, okay, that, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. I understand now. I don't need to post like what the fuck do I do? Mm. <laughs> and I can just I can I now I have leadership telling me and I understand. Yeah. But again, there's like there's zippo communication from day one. Mm. I mean, it wasn't until they got money that they actually put something on their website about COVID. It was like two weeks. They didn't even acknowledge it on their website. <laughs> and you and I both know to update a website is like five minutes with their work in today's technology. So I and I'm sure they have an IT guy that specifically gets paid a lot of money to do that anyway. So it's even probably even less time, but it's just amazing. And I think it really saddens me right now to see them running around saying they're a government 
this is when you show whether you're a government or not. And I think they're failing miserably. Well, again, it's it's the same issues that we've talked about endlessly. Yeah. Money comes in. The government, right, wrong, or otherwise, allocates funds to them. Yeah. And well, how does it help the membership? Yeah. You know, Métis politics aside, that money is earmarked to help people. Yeah. And is it going to help those people? Well, the problem is what we're seeing on social media is people are running into barriers. And those barriers don't have answers. And it saddens me that in a time like this, when, you know, people's homes, mortgages, power bills, food are on the line. And, you know, it's real crunch time as of April mm-hmm. 1st to how people are going to make it through another month, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because, you you know, people are, are you know, going to be kidding themselves if they think we're going to be out of this by the end of the month. Oh, yeah. So you're going to be running into May 1st mm-hmm. in a very, you know, in a worse situation than you are now. Yeah. And are these people who have millions of dollars earmarked to help them going to get the help they need? Absolutely. And uh, I'm not optimistic on that. I don't. I think you will see a very few people get actual help with this money. I think they may end up going just with the government's programs and forgetting the Métis program altogether because it's so hard to get, or they simply just won't get it. And it'll, you know, either way, it doesn't make their life easier. No. And, and you've done nothing for your members. So, again, if you want to be claim to be a government or even a membership club who whose focus is your members... Why aren't you doing something for them? Well, I get it. You know, it's because of all the history of everything. This is what they do every time. They get any money. Yeah, so it's frustrating. I, I, I hope that out of this, people begin to really realize that push come to shove, these organizations really aren't there for them. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about in the past, it doesn't matter when it comes to harvesting rights. It doesn't matter what... Yeah. You can't say the word rights. And bring yeah. these organizations into the conversation because they've never done anything. They've been yeah. the coattails of individual Métis people. Absolutely. You know, Harry Daniels did it on his own. Powley did it on his own. Yeah. You know, these, these organizations were never there no. for, for either of those guys when they were in court. Yeah. And they're not they're there for any Métis person now. They're not. So if I was a club and I had a membership in this club, I would be severely pissed off. Well, and I would be mad even if I wasn't the one trying to get the help, but I was part of a club where I knew these 200 people needed that help and never got it because of their bullshit. Like, how could you be part of that? Because by accepting it, now you're just complicit with their, their, what I would call, you know, I hate to use the term immoral, but unethical, I guess is a better way, unethical way of, of doing this. Like... It's just, it shafts the most, the people that need it the most. And that's, you know, it's just going to cause more pain, cause more hurt, cause more anger towards the MA. Um, it's going to do a great deal of, of benefit to these other organizations because people might actually leave the MA. You know, so, um, and I mean, I'm not saying that that's a positive out of this. I'm just saying, like, this is what's going to happen. And as an organization, why would you want that to happen? Right. But I guess as long as the people in charge are getting paid, what do they care? And you know that they're going to continue to get paid. So, but it, and again, like you were talking about riding the coattails on the harvesting thing, I just did a quick 
math. So if if they had 30,000 members in, in Alberta, they basically got $250 per member. But we know Manitoba has and Saskatchewan have less members. Like by half, at least. So those provinces got double the amount per member. So these guys did a terrible job. It's almost like they're being punished in some way. Yeah. Wonder what they did wrong. That they right. they're getting half the money that uh, Manitoba or Saskatchewan. Yeah, like what why isn't it based on membership? Well it should be like you think in a in an organization, if you're part of a club. Yeah. yeah, I don't care what club. But if you were in PEI, and that's where you live, and you're part of the club. But yeah. the guy in Vancouver got twice as much as you. Yeah. Well, what kind of a club is that? Exactly. So you're not all equal. Where you no. live determines how much you're going to get. Yeah, it seems so like further away from Manitoba you get. Is the cost of living double? The Manitoba, the race, yeah. the mortgage, your rent rate, power bill double what it is in Alberta. Exactly. I hope so, because the Métis living there are getting double the money. Yeah, great deal. Yeah. So and then what about the Red River Métis that don't live in the, the in the Blue Blob map? They just simply get nothing. Because I'm pretty sure, like, if you move to PEI and you were a main member of the Métis Nation of Alberta, I don't think they're gonna be sending you any checks if you, even if you need it. Well, so, I'm not sure how to get the paperwork. Right? Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> how do you even get the paperwork? But yeah, no, I just so yeah, I think um, you know, kind of at the end of this show, I think I, for me, it's just the lack of leadership is unbelievably not a, unexpected for me or you probably, but very disappointing to see. Um, and I think Métis people should remember this in the next election how their leaders ran away and hid in the closet when there was a problem yep and left them to up to dry so push them to shove when your you know your rent money and your power bill was on the line and feeding your kids was yeah. a big deal where was Métis leadership exactly like where was said, the communication they have got paid and they're at home they're at home and they're asking you to go outside to get paperwork yep and do a whole bunch of work so that they can give you the money that the government wants them to give you. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I hope you guys liked this episode. Uh, if you did or didn't, uh, send an email to matespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check out all our social media, all that stuff. So, uh, and uh, hopefully next time, when next time we can do a live, uh, maybe we'll have an opportunity to get a caller on. But um, we will be scheduling that and posting that here soon. Um, otherwise, until next time, the jig is up.